Can we lift our hands toward heaven? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of being in your house. We thank you for your spirit that is here already in worship. Your word is true that says you inhabit the praises of your people. I pray that a fresh anointing would descend on every one of us in here tonight. That we be strengthened by your presence. That we be encouraged by your word. I bind every spirit of fear, every tormenting devil. Let the peace of God flow like a river. Thank you, Lord, for a healing touch tonight. Hallelujah. Just continue to talk to him. Continue to talk to him. The presence of God is so real. So real. Hallelujah. 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 I believe God wants to visit with some people tonight. Wants to visit with some folks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I've been driving over here this afternoon, I kept hearing the Lord speak to me about backs. Low back, mid-back pain. Somebody recently had a diagnosis of an issue with your spine, discs. God's wanting to touch some people in healing and physical ways. If you've been having limited mobility and back pain and issues in your spine, I want you to stand right now. If there's somebody standing around you and you're seated or you're in the area and you're full of faith, you believe God is a healer, you believe that the stripes were taken upon Jesus' body for our healing, just put your hand on their shoulder, put your hand on their forehead. If you're not around them, stretch your hands this way. I believe God will want to do something powerful in some people's lives, do something powerful in our time together this evening. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the healing word of God. We thank you. Scripture says you sent your word and healed us of all of our diseases. We thank you, Lord, that every infirmity, every sickness, every disease is gone by the power of Jesus Christ. We command the spine to straighten into its proper place. We speak every disc to come into alignment. We thank you, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. We thank you, Lord, for the healing power of God even now. Now, those of you that have stood, try and move in a way that you couldn't move before. Bend or turn or do something that you were having trouble doing and see if the Lord touched your body. Hallelujah. If God, if God just healed you, raise your hand. God touch you? God touch you? Come up here. What just happened? I just recently went through four days. I had to lay flat on my back. Walter had to help me up and down just to go to the bathroom. And today, I woke up this morning. I said, Walter, it's come back. I feel it again all day long. I felt it tugging. And I was afraid my sheet music would fall. And I couldn't bend over because I couldn't bend over. And this is funny. Walter had to paint my toenails because I couldn't bend over because the pain was so much. And I can bend over. Praise God. <laughs> 
Are you Roger? Walt, is that you? Your husband of the year. That's awesome. Somebody else, God just touched your body. Awesome. Come on. You know, I've been having a whole lot of things been happening lately. It seemed like it, like with Donald, just one thing after another been hitting me. But every morning when I wake up my back, I look kind of like I'm, I'm like this. And there for a while, it's kind of like amusing. When I'd go to the mirror, I'd see myself, and I'd be like this, and I couldn't straighten up. I'd get in the shower, and it seemed like I'd, I made a joke of it, kind of like an old rusty hinge. It just kind of eep and come back in place. But I thank God tonight that I believe in his power, that he's healed me. And he's restored me. And never again will it come in. And I claim his healing. And I thank God for that, everything he does for me. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is so wonderful to be here with you this evening. And been hearing about great things that God is doing at City of Hope. And great things that are happening in this community as a whole for some time. And it is truly a joy to see with my own eyes the good things that God is doing here and to hear of the vision that God has placed in the heart of your pastor and your leadership team and, and this church family. Sadly, far too many churches don't have a vision of the future. They're content to tread water and just, if anything, preserve the traditions of the past rather than get a fresh word from God as to what Thing the Lord might want to do. And I want to commend you not only on the receiving of the vision that God has for you over the next few years, but I want to challenge you and encourage you to run with it. The book of Habakkuk says that the responsibility of the leader is to go to the watchtower and hear and see what the Lord says, and then to write it and make it plain but is the responsibility of other people to then run with the vision. There's something wrong if the leader is hearing the vision, communicating the vision, and is the only one running with the vision. It's the responsibility of the people who God has called around to then run with the vision and make it become reality. Right now, the things that you're praying about and you're talking about and you're giving toward are dreams, but there's coming a moment where they will be reality. And that happens because it takes a great team of people to cause vision to become reality. You are already sitting right now in dreams that became reality. And the same will be true three years from now when you are walking through the halls and you are seeing the adopted outreaches and seeing various things that became reality. It started as a dream, but it became reality because you run with it and execute on what God has for you. I want to share with you for a few moments tonight about the life of Gehazi. Gehazi is uh, a somewhat obscure person in the Old Testament. He's an example of someone who had a great opportunity and blew it, and yet he was able to have a recovery. He was able to have a rebound in his life. If you're not familiar with Gehazi, he's found in the book of 2 Kings, and I'm going to share just several scriptures with you concerning him tonight, but Gehazi started as the servant to the prophet Elisha. Just as Elisha had served Elijah 
and in turn received a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah's life, Gehazi now serves Elisha. And he was in line to receive the inheritance of the anointing that was upon Elisha. And everything was going well until Naaman showed up. Naaman was the captain of the Syrian army, and he had leprosy. Naaman came with a large bounty prepared to give to Elisha in return for the healing of his leprosy. Naaman brought several suits of clothes and the equivalent in today's money of $80,000 to give to Elisha. Elisha didn't want any of it. Naaman was healed of his leprosy, got on his horse and was headed back to Syria. But Gehazi couldn't get the money out of his mind. He couldn't stop thinking about, man, I would look sharp in one of those suits. I sure would look awful fly in my Facebook profile picture if it was one of those suits that he brought from Syria. And it wouldn't hurt if I had a couple thousand dollars to put in the bank too. I do want to go on vacation before school starts back. So Gehazi chased Naaman down and he lied to him. He made up a ministry need. He lied to him. He fabricated something. And he said, Naaman, not long after you left, some sons of the prophets showed up here and they're hungry because, you know, preachers are starving all the time and we don't have no money in our ministry to be able to feed these starving preachers. So Elisha sent me to tell you that we will take some of that money and some of those change of clothes after all. Elisha or, or Gehazi gets the money and the clothes and he comes back home hides them, buries them in the ground. And Elisha said, what are you doing chasing after that money? Didn't my heart go with you? I felt it. I sensed it in the spirit that you went and chased the money down. And the punishment or the judgment upon Gehazi was that the leprosy that was upon Naaman came upon him. Gehazi represents someone that was in the right place at the right time and was on the verge of breakthrough, but then takes a step back in their walk with God. Made some bad decisions, couldn't fight off temptation, and takes a step back. Gehazi went from being an apprentice to the powerful prophet Elisha, to becoming a poor leper living in a leper colony with his three sons. But Gehazi also shows us that even though you may have taken a step back or may have taken many steps back, because of the abundant grace of God, you don't have to stay there. You may have taken a step back, but it's not too late to take a step forward. This can be a comeback moment. This can be a recovery moment for somebody. The next time we see Gehazi, he's not mentioned by name, but rather he is known as the leper that is outside the gates of Samaria, living with his three sons. And he is living in between the city gates of Samaria and the enemy camp of the Syrians. Gehazi says to his three sons, why sit here until we die? 
We're not going to stay in this place and starve to death. And we're not going to stay where we are until we die. We can go back into the city and we'll die in the famine. We can sit here outside the gate and we will die. Or we can move toward the enemy, take a step forward, and we might die. If we go back, there's certain death. If we go forward, there's possible death. And Gehazi led his three sons toward the possibility of life rather than the certainty of death. He chose to take a step forward, even though life wasn't ideal for him, even though none of his circumstances had changed yet, he chose to take a step forward. And when he chose to take one step in the right direction, anybody know what happened? God got involved in his steps. When he chose to take one step forward and say, we're not going to go backward, We're not even going to stay where we've been, but we're going to go forward. The Lord amplified the sound of Gehazi's steps, and the Syrians didn't hear the the sound of four leprous men. They heard the sound of an advancing army. Somebody needs to know this evening that if you will just decide, I'm not going to go back where I've been. And I'm certainly not going to stay at the place that I've been living at now. If I can just take one step forward... I may not be able to change everything about my life overnight. Everything may not turn up roses by the end of this year. Everything may not go exactly how I want it to be. But if I can just take one step forward. The moment you decide to take one step forward and say, I'm going to take one step to draw closer to God. I'm going to take one step to become more of who he's called me to be. I'm going to take one step more in my commitment to the plan of God for my life. All it takes is one step and God gets involved in your steps. Listen to what the the word of the Lord says in 2 Kings chapter 7. Verse number 6, it says, For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that the, the enemy said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. Now, that wasn't the truth. The truth was there were four jacked up lepers whose noses had fallen off. Fingers had fallen off. The leprosy got into their nervous system and if they scratched their ear too much, the ear would fall off. Four guys whose lives were falling apart, but they decided to take a step forward. And when they took a step forward, God, listen, God made them sound like more than what they really are. God made them sound stronger than what they are. God made them sound mightier than what they are just because they took a step. Somebody needs to know this night, when I take a step, God takes care of the rest. They didn't have a strategy. Here's what I love about it. They didn't have a strategy of what they were going to do once they got in the camp. Now, some of us, it drive you crazy. 
Well, Mr. Gahazi, what's exactly your five-step plan once we get over there? What's your three-year plan of what's going to happen after we get in? They didn't have a strategy. They didn't have a 20-step plan. All they had was a decision. We're going to take a step. We don't know what's going to happen. And listen, some of us need to be reminded that just don't live by a strategy. We live by faith. We don't live by having everything figured out. We don't wait until we have all the answers. We make a, we make a decision, I'm going to take a step. You take a step and God takes care of the rest. What they didn't know was when they took a step, God started working on the other side. God started working on the other side of the camp. What does that mean for us? You need to know tonight that God is working in ways that you can't see. God is working on the other side of your obedience. Right now, all you see is I got a whole lot of debt. I got a whole lot of bills. But some of you took a step of obedience tonight to give in an offering to advance the kingdom of God. You don't know how it's going to happen. You don't have a sophisticated strategy of how you're going to get out of debt and how you're going to be a blessing to the next generation. You don't understand how it's going to happen. You just felt a prompting of God. I'm going to take a step. And as soon as you took a step, God started working on the sound of the enemy's camp and made it sound like somebody much powerful and mightier and smarter and stronger than what you actually are is happening. I don't need to figure it all out. I just need to take a step. I don't need to have all the answers. I just need to take a step. And the lepers kept walking. They kept taking a step. And they get to the enemy's camp, and everybody was gone. All the soldiers were gone. They left the food on the table. They left their money behind. They left their changes of clothes behind. They left all the good stuff behind. The four lepers didn't run the enemy off. God did. The four lepers didn't put that food on the table. God did. The four lepers didn't make anything happen. God did. They were just a bunch of broken lepers that took a risk and stepped forward. And God in His great grace made them more than what they are. And we need to be reminded tonight that it's God who makes you more than what you really are. Now I know we, we get saved and we're walking with God for a little bit and some blessing starts to come and we look like we got it all together. Man, we're just the poster child of spiritual maturity. I got it all figured out. Carry the biggest Bible we can find and it don't mean anything unless your name's not engraved on the front of it. That's, that's the sign right there. That's the seal of spiritual maturity. My name is laser embossed on my Bible. In the same color coding as Holy Bible on the spine of it is my name. I have perfect attendance in Sunday school. Don't miss anything. In fact, I'm so anointed I glow in the dark. Angels wake me up in the morning. I don't even get bedhead or morning breath. I am holy. 
We need to be reminded we ain't got anything figured out. We ain't anything. What we are are a bunch of lepers whose lives were falling apart, couldn't keep anything together. We were jacked up, messed up, broke, busted, and disgusted. But somehow, somewhere, we chose to take a step toward Jesus. And when we chose to take a step toward Jesus, his grace met us where we are and has made us more than what we are by ourselves. We are now an advancing army, but we are still the army of the lepers. We are the army of the people who without the grace of God, we would still be falling apart. If it weren't for the grace of God, we couldn't have anything together. And we can't pretend that we are who we are and we are where we are, that we did it all ourselves. We have done nothing by ourselves. It is only by the goodness and the grace of God that we are where we are. We didn't break sin off of our lives. Jesus did. We didn't make ourselves righteous. Jesus makes us righteous. We didn't get the enemy out of our life and break generational curses off of our house. We didn't do any of that. It was Jesus that did that. We're just some broken down lepers that decided one day, I'm not going back where I've been and I refuse to stay where I'm at. I may as well take a step toward Jesus and see what happens. And he said, I'll meet you right there at that step and I'm going to make you sound in the ears of Satan. You're not going to sound like a broken down leper. You're going to sound like a mighty warrior that's charging the gates of hell and Satan's going to get on the run and flee from your house, flee from your kids, flee from the next generation because God gets involved in your step. Hazi said, we're moving forward. As the Syrians slept, they heard the sound of armies coming toward them. They fled in the middle of the night, leaving behind an abundance of food and clothing and money. Gehazi and his three sons move into the camp and they discover God's answered their prayers. We're not starving anymore. We're not poor anymore. Elated at their newly found wealth and food, Scripture says they went from tent to tent finding treasure, bringing it back, and burying it. And suddenly one of the lepers has an awakening in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. The Bible says, Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. The message translation says, this is a day of good news and we're making it a private party. Gehazi leads his sons to leave the tents of the Syrians and run to the gates of Samaria, shouting to all of the citizens, proclaiming the good news, we found food. We found bread and meat. You don't have to die in the famine. You don't have to go to bed hungry tonight. We found some food you can feed on. They went and shared with everybody. We found food. We found life. We found another way. 
I don't know about you, but I remember the night that I found food in the tents and realized I don't have to die in a spiritual famine. December 31st, 1991, I found the bread of life. I found food in the tent and realized I don't have to die in a spiritual famine. I found Jesus. Now, here's what we tend to do. Anybody here remember when you found the bread of life? Anybody remember when you received Christ? You remember the day that you got saved? Gehazi and his son said, man, we're feasting all this good stuff. We found the bread of life. We just gave our life to Christ. We're enjoying all the good stuff. And they're taking it, hiding it. And they said, this is not good. What we're doing is not good. Why? They suddenly remembered there's a famine back there. How can we feast and keep it to ourselves when there's a whole town that needs what we have? How can we talk about the goodness of God and how he's blessed us when we're just four leprous folks and there's an entire city that needs to know we found an answer for the famine? How can we talk about how good God is when all we're doing is taking the blessing of God and digging a hole and putting it in the ground? This is not what it means to be a child of God is to just get together and sing some songs and dig a hole and put it in the ground. What it means to be the people of God is to recognize there's a famine around us and we found some food. And what we must do is go to the city gates and tell all of the inhabitants you don't have to die in the famine we found bread it's the bread of life Gehazi said we're not going to dig holes anymore we're not going to dig holes like this for Gehazi this was important because all his life he'd been digging holes He gets Naaman's money, goes and digs a hole. God opens up the wealth of the Syrians for him. What's he do? Dig a hole. Right there and then, Gehazi made a decision. I'm going to stop digging holes. God doesn't bless me for me to dig a hole and put it in the ground. God blesses me for me to go share it with somebody. And somebody here tonight is getting a revelation. God blessed you with time. God blessed you with talents. God blessed you with treasure. God blessed you with a testimony. God blessed you with abilities. And what we must stop doing is digging holes in the ground and taking all of the things that God gave us and just putting it in the ground and burying it. What we must do is start taking a risk with it. We must start engaging the people in our life with the things that God has has blessed us with. We must start taking some bold moves, take some risks to advance the kingdom of God and see the kingdom flourish in our region. Somebody shout, stop digging holes. There's somebody in your life that needs you to share with them what you've found. Somebody in your life desperately needs 
for you to let them know that you found bread, you found life, you found an answer. Gehazi said, we're not going to live like this anymore. We're not going to keep the goodness and the blessings of God to ourselves. We're going to take it to give it somebody. Now, that would be a great place for the story of Gehazi's life to end. But that's not where it ends. You see Gehazi again in chapter 8, 2 Kings chapter 8. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open there. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 8, verse number 1 says this, Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Go away with your family and stay for a while wherever you can, because the Lord has decreed a famine in the land that will last seven years. The woman proceeded to do so as the man of God had said. She and her family went away and stayed in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of the seven years, she came back from the land of the Philistines and went to the king to appeal for her house and land. Look at verse number four. And the king was talking to who? Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. And he said, tell me about all the great things Elisha has done. Just as Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, the woman whose son Elisha had brought back to life came to appeal to the king for her house and land. And Gehazi said, this is the woman, my lord the king, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. The king asked the woman about it and she told him. Then he assigned an official to her case and said to him, Give back everything that belonged to her, including all the income from her land from the day she left the country until now. Here's what I want you to see. The last time we see Gehazi, he's a leper advancing toward the gates of the enemy. Finds the food, finds the wealth. He goes back and tells Samaria, you don't have to die in the famine. Now, in 2 Kings 8, Gehazi's not a leper anymore. What do you mean he's not a leper anymore? Look where he's at. He's in the presence of the king. It would have been impossible for a leper to be in the presence of a king. There is no possible way that a leprous Gehazi is in the throne room of the king. The only explanation for him to be talking to the king is somewhere God healed Gehazi of his leprosy. When did it happen? I believe that the healing power of God touched Gehazi when he and his sons, they were all healed when they left the tent and proclaimed the good news to Samaria that the famine was over. When God saw that something changed in the heart of Gehazi, that he's no longer a taker, but now he's a giver. That he no longer is simply going to receive, but he's going to share what he has found. When God saw that, God healed him instantly in his sons, and they're no longer lepers. You see, when you and I take what we have found in the grace and the goodness of God, and we give it to other people, not only does it advance the cause of Christ, but it brings healing into our lives. 
Gehazi said, I'm not going to be a person that digs holes and hides what God gives me anymore. I've got to give it to somebody. I've got to share it with somebody. And now he's hanging out with the king. Now he's talking with the king. And maybe tonight, just like Gehazi, you need a promotion in your life. Maybe just like Gehazi, you need a rebound. Maybe things have been falling apart. Things have been going south. Nothing's looking good. Nothing's turning around for you. And you need a step up. You need a recovery in your life. How does it happen? The first thing Gehazi says to us is, stop digging holes. Jesus says this in Matthew 25. Then a man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. Here's what belonged to you. I didn't lose it. I put it in the ground. Jesus didn't pat him on the back and said, right there. There you go. No, what did Jesus say to the man who took what he gave him and put it in the ground? He said, you wicked, lazy servant. What was Jesus telling them? Take a risk. Do something with it. God didn't give you the job you have so you could pay your bills. God gave you the job you have to put you around the people that you're with. So you could take what he gave you and use it to advance his kingdom. If he had to, he could cause the birds to rain down food for you just like he did for Elijah. It's not about money. It's about an opportunity to influence people for the kingdom's sake. God's saying, I want you to take what I've given you and do something with it. And when you do, healing will come to your lives. Gehazi's in the presence of the king. Verse number 4 says this in 2 Kings chapter 8. Verse number 4 says, the king was talking to Gehazi, in spite of all of his failures, Gehazi's been summoned to the presence of the king. This is the guy who forfeited the opportunity to walk in the anointing for money. And now the king says, I want to talk to you. Go get me Gehazi. The servants around the king probably said, now king, he's been a leper. We all know Gehazi. Some of us used to go to school with Gehazi. Our kids grew up with Gehazi's kids. We all know him as a leper. King, you don't want to be found fraternizing with Gehazi. You don't want anything to do with Gehazi. Unfazed by all of that, the king calls for him. Jesus is calling us into his presence tonight. He's calling us and inviting us to come toward him. The king said, go get me Gehazi. Here's what I love about that. Before that time, after Gehazi took Naaman's money, and until this moment, Gehazi wasn't known by Gehazi. Here's what he was known as, the leper. They just said, the leper. That leper and his boys. Don't hang out with the leper. Don't talk to the leper. Don't even look at the leper. You don't want anything to do with the leper. But when the king wants to talk to him, he didn't say, go fetch me the leper. He said, bring me Gehazi. No matter what his failures were, he wasn't known by his failures. 
He was known by his name. And I'm talking to some people tonight that maybe you have been labeled by your failures. Maybe you have carried the stigma of your mistakes. Maybe you have been known by the leprosy of your life. And I want you to know other people may have known you by your failures. Other people may have known you by your mistakes. But the king doesn't call you according to your sin. The king doesn't call you according to your mistakes. The king calls you by your name. And he says, you, Jim, I want to talk to you. Lisa. I want to talk to you. Frida, I want to talk to you. Robert, I want to talk to you. I don't care that you've been a leper. I don't care that you've been an addict. I don't care that your life was falling apart. I don't care that you've been divorced three times. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I know you and I love you and I want you to come into my presence. The king said, Get me Gehazi. In the presence of the king, We're only known by name. His grace removes all of the labels. His grace removes the stigmas. His grace removes the failures. His grace removes the disappointments that we often associate ourselves by. His grace removes everything. And I want to share with you tonight, it doesn't matter what labels and failures and stigmas you feel like you carry. It doesn't matter the things that you think disqualify you. Jesus is calling you to come to him. And my prayer for us tonight is this, let the Jesus in us be stronger than the titles and the stigmas of the people around us. The worst accusation that they could throw at Jesus was this. He's a friend of sinners. When they wanted to try and be especially mean and spiteful to Jesus, that's what they labeled him as, the friend of sinners. Let City of Hope Church be labeled that, the friend of sinners. I pray that that's what you're known by at work. That's a friend of sinners right there. And not be moved by the leprosy, the people you work with, the people in your family, the people that your kids go to school with. Not be moved by the leprosy that's attached itself to them because the grace of God inside of you is greater than the leprosy that's attached them. God put you where he put you, in this town, on the workplace, in the family. He put you where he put you so that the power of God inside of you can make a difference in the lives of the people around you you. Everybody say this with me. I'm here by assignment, not by accident. How do we start to do this? Here's how we start to do this. Know people by their name, not by their sin. Know people by their name, not by their sin. There are 12,106 people in Clay County, according to the Census Bureau in 2010, 12,106 people in this county who don't know Jesus. 12,106 people 
who need some people in their life that won't be intimidated by their leprosy. 12,106 people who will know them by their name, not by their sin. In 1980, 8,329 people in Clay County attended church regularly. In 1980. But in 1990, that number jumped to 12,605, nearly double. From 1980 to 1990, the number of people regularly involved in a church in Clay County nearly doubled. What's that tell us? That tells us a move of God happened here in the 80s. I can look at these statistics and tell you, not living here, not from here, not born here, don't know anything here, I can look at these statistics and tell you that a move of God happened in Clay County in the 80s, and some of you are the fruit of that. Some of you, your parents gave their life to Christ in the 80s and started raising you up in church. Some of you were ones that gave your life to Christ in the 80s. There was a move of God that took place in the 80s, and 30 years later, some preacher from Pike County is able to look at this and say, something happened there 30 years ago. And God sent me here tonight to tell you that what God did 30 years ago is not over. I believe that God wants to do something in this county one more time to the degree that somebody else 30 years from now is going to be looking at some information and say there was a move of God in the 80s and they let it fall and it started to die down. But something happened. Something happened in the 20 teens. Something happened that caused a revival to begin to stir around. Something happened that moved the needle and it caused a transformation in this county. I want you to understand today, God has put you where he has put you, surrounded by lepers that need somebody in their life to tell them, I'm not going to be moved by your sin. I'm not going to be moved by how much you're falling apart. God has assigned me to know you by your name, not by your sin. I believe it can happen here again. We don't need everybody to believe that. We just need two or three according to what Jesus said. Isn't that what he said? Where two or three on earth agree as touching any one thing in his name, it shall be done. It shall be done. The king who makes all things new is calling you into his presence today. The king of Samaria said, go get me Gehazi. I want him in my presence. And right here tonight, King Jesus is saying, come on. Come on in my presence. Come on in my presence. Bring everything that's attached to you that's messed up. Bring everything connected to you that's fallen apart. Bring everything a part of you that wish you wish wasn't a part of you. Bring everything that's not right in your life. Bring it and come into my presence. Come into my presence and find restoration in my presence. Find healing, find joy 
in my presence. Can we stand to our feet across the house of God tonight? Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you this evening. Come on, lift up holy hands in his presence. Lord, we worship you. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Lift up a worship to him. Just lift up, let the sound of worship fill the house of the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, come on, come on. You've got a you've got a worship. You've got a song to lift up to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The king wants to meet with the lepers tonight. The king wants to meet with the lepers. There's some folks that's got some spiritual leprosy in their life it feels like things are falling apart feels like things are falling and nothing's right and maybe there's even a stigma attached thank you Lord God just said he wants to he wants to meet with somebody in here who spiritual leprosy has been a part of your family for generations. I'm hearing the Lord say at least three generations. Your grandmother, your mother, and now you. And the lie of the enemy has said that's just who you are. This is just who we are. We're just this kind of people. Just accept it and figure it out. Learn how to live with it. And God says, no, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. We reject that in the name of Jesus. You don't have to go another day living as a leper. You don't have to go another season of your life with everything falling apart. Tonight, the king is calling you into his presence. He says, come and find joy, find restoration Come and find hope and come and find peace in my presence. If that's you that God's talking to, I want to invite you to slip out of your seat. I want to pray for you right now. God says he's breaking it off. No more. It's three generations and it's breaking off. Breaking off tonight. This is the time of healing. This is the time of freedom. This is the time of deliverance. The spiritual leprosy. Be healed in the name of the Lord. Finding hope and finding freedom. Let me ask you right now while you're standing, just close your eyes and bow your head for a moment.
If you're in this room right now and you can't say with certainty that Jesus is your Lord and Jesus is your Savior, you can't say with certainty that heaven is your home. When you go into eternity, you're as sure for heaven as if you're already there. If you can't say that with certainty, friend, you can. You can say that. It's your ability. You have the ability to change your eternal reality. Jesus is here right now saying, Whosoever will, let him call on the name of the Lord. And Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's here right now to meet with you. It doesn't matter how many things have attached themselves. It doesn't matter how much and what kind of things have been connected. Today, the only thing that matters is that the King Jesus loves you and he's calling for you to come to him. I'm going to ask you right now, if you say, I, I know, I know that if I went into eternity right now, I know I wouldn't hear God say to me, well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. I know that if I went into eternity right now, God would have to say to me, depart from me. I never knew you, but I don't want that. Right now, I'm ready to say yes, Jesus. Right now, I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. Right now, I want heaven to record it that on July 30th, I gave my life to Christ. I became a follower of Jesus. That's the desire of my heart. I want right now to say yes to Jesus. Friend, if that's the cry of your heart right now, raise your hand up in the air. We're going to pray right now. I'm ready right now, right now, to say, Jesus, I'll follow you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I say yes to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. We're going to pray right now. God bless you. God bless you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I say yes to you. I'll follow you now. And all of my days, as my Lord, as my Savior, fill me now with your Spirit. I am a son. I am an adopted child of the King. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise tonight.